0: Today, on State Scoop's Priorities podcast from Scoop News Group, modernizing digital services in South Dakota, DC's big comeback, and Minnesota's ambitious agenda. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. Nearly two-thirds of local government officials believe their budgets are inadequate to support their cyber programs, according to new survey results from the Public Technology Institute. The survey provides an overview of how city and county officials are thinking about cyber and preparing for changes. Results for America, a nonprofit aiming to help governments use data to solve community challenges, is recognizing 10 states for their use of data in decision-making. The group recognized five leading states, Colorado, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oregon, and Tennessee, along with five other states as honorable mentions. New York State is proposing a new set of cybersecurity regulations for the state's hospitals. The new regulations aim to safeguard the critical networks and systems that hospitals use to provide patient care and require a mandate that hospitals develop their own cybersecurity programs and response plans. You can find these stories and more at statescoop.com and links in today's show notes. South Dakota's Information Technology Agency is focusing on modernizing citizen services. The state CTO, Pat Snow, says the Bureau of Information Technology is in its second year of building out modern services on top of an enterprise identity solution. Snow tells me about the effort and what's next for South Dakota.
1: I, I think so for the last three years, we've had a uh, major initiative to modernize our digital, digital citizen services. Uh, started out about three years ago uh, with a uh, putting out together a um, enterprise identity uh, solution. And then on top of that, now we started to build out, build out modern services on top of that platform, centralizing it for the citizen with, uh, with an eye towards a citizen first, um, strategy. And we're into our second year for that. We have about 120 services uh, online and we're doing quarterly releases of anywhere from about 15 to 20 of those services uh, as we can build out and continuing to, you know, the pipeline is, is completely full. I don't know when we'll be completely done with that, but but that's been uh, number one. Secondly, I think, you know, like everybody, cyber is top of mind and continuing to build and mature our cyber strategy. We were fortunate enough to be able to add some staff here this uh, last year concentrating on some uh, risk management and some other areas that we kind of had some gaps in and so that's been going quite well And then continuing to build our tool sets out uh, to protect our endpoints and our networks and It's just like a never-ending battle for that and then uh, for everybody else uh, that's out there I think the AI is probably top of mind and so we've been working on uh, developing a strategy around that uh, policy first and then building out some u- some easy use cases so that uh, AI can be viewed as a tool and not necessarily something to be afraid of. Uh, so this year we're rolling out a couple of different things. Uh, we'll probably be the first ones to that I know of in the states that are going to have an AI uh, virtual agent chatbot uh, on on their uh, main web presence, and that's been really successful so far. We started with an internal project for that, and uh, we rolled that out to our internal help desk, uh, and that. Chatbot is so much different when you back it with AI, because now it's a conversation, right? And that conversation is so much better from a telemetry perspective, uh, even for our back-end caseworkers. And once we put that out to the public, we think we're going to get far better results and, and have them find their
0: services a lot easier. So let's let's go through those, maybe, maybe backwards to, to forwards. Uh, so let's start with AI. One of the things that's so interesting to me about what an AI chatbot can do is that it sort of gets away from the centralization of a digital government service that a lot of folks have focused on over the last couple of years, creating a single single portal where everything exists. Instead, you can sort of get to what you need because you have these tools. How are you approaching making those decisions and sort of figuring out uh, how the AI is going to plug into everything that you have going on?
1: Well, with respects to the like the virtual agent or chatbot, um, the, the nice thing about that, that piece is is uh, again like I said it's it's more of a conversation with the citizen it's not your traditional uh, AI virtual agents if you want to call them that had to be continually trained over and over and over and um, most of the time that resulted in not so good results because they degrade over time things change Uh, the AI based stuff is really if you can put that to go back to your question, if you can put that in a central place where people can find it, then it's not so difficult to navigate because the AI will get you there, right? So you don't have to put as much effort into that whole you know, ubiquitous presence of your web services, and you don't have to be quite as good there because the AI bot is going to do some of that for you. But I still think you need to have that cohesive presence uh, as a web services uh, provider so that uh, you feel like you're going into a, a one site, to, to, for lack of a better word.
0: And then on, on cybersecurity, you know, it's it's. I think we're on 12 years in a row. It's a top priority. Uh, everybody's talking about it. It's now mainstream news. How have things sort of changed in South Dakota over the last year or so when it comes to cyber?
1: Well, I think it's just a continual battle, you know, and so for, for cyber, you have to do the funding piece of it is is incredibly important and explaining that to the decision-makers and the executives of why it is important so we've had a continual uh, positive reaction and be able to build those teams out it's it's really for us about the people having the, having the right engineers the the good decision-makers at the cyber and the SOC level uh... being able to put the policies that are forward-thinking out there uh... to anticipate what might be going on and then specific to ai Um, that's the dark side of it that people talk about. uh, How is that going to affect cyber? And so that's probably the next thing that we're going to have to tackle is like how is that going to, you know, your phishing attacks are now going to be quite a bit more sophisticated and more well written because the AI is going to be able to do that for them. So we're going to have to get better as well. And so it's just a never-ending battle.
0: And then the first thing you talked about was sort of big picture digital transformation uh, and the modernization components that are there as well as the digital government pieces there. So so give us an update on sort of how you're coming at that problem and and maybe, you know, just like you did in the last question, how some of those other pieces of the puzzle kind of factor into that decision as well.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, organizational change management for us has been the biggest piece of that. We'd love to talk technology all day long because that's kind of why I got into the business but really it's about understanding the processes that are driving those services that the citizens are going to consume and if you think about it like when these services came out um, most of them were in the 30s we had some in the 60s and then we had one Obamacare that was the most recent one but they were built for back office processing they were brick and mortar style things that um, you know, usually involve paper and people and, and travel sometimes to, to consume these services and now what we did was we kind of slapped a digital facade over the top of those back office processes. Well, everything is built for the back office, and what we've tried to do is flip that to say, no, it should be built for the citizen. So what's the most, um, the most frictionless way that I can get that citizen to the services that they're requiring? And that's the way we've tried to approach this uh, from top to bottom. I think one of the things that we've learned uh, through this last three or four years is we need more citizen engagement on the front end of this thing. You know, we need to have... They're the customer. We need to have them in the room as we're beginning to design these things. And then we build that to the back office. And a lot of times it's the other way around, which causes some varying results.
0: What do the next six months look like for you? What are you, between now and the next conference, uh, what are you going to get done?
1: Yeah, well, uh, the things that we have in flight right now, I'll, I'll go, kind of go through each one of those. But we have some, we have some AI services that we're trying to push out that we we hope will demonstrate the good part of AI. Uh, we're rolling into legislative session, and so we we hope to do some demonstrations on how AI can really help that process along. And you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of hours that are spent in Uh, legislative analysis and bill analysis and things like that, AI can really help with that. We can do some really good things and and take some load off some people's shoulders, we hope, with that piece of it. Uh, Citizen services, same thing. Our pipeline is full. We'll be rolling out um, probably another 10 services here uh, in the next quarter. And that's just a continual, you know, we're going to continue to do that. We've taken the approach on that end of it, uh, and, you know, how did we get all this technical debt? How did we get here? And so one of the things that we're trying to do is make sure we don't repeat, you know, make this the problem for the next generation of workers and make sure that we have a modernization strategy that's sustainable long term. And so that'll be one of the big things that we're doing there. And then on cyber, it's just a matter of continuing to build out our defenses, you know, and, and every every SOC manager or CISO are going to tell you the same thing. They don't have enough people. They don't have enough money, but, you know, they're, they are making progress and, and that's It's it's just a sustainable march.
0: Pat Snow, CIO for the state of South Dakota. You can read more about him and digital services at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. Washington, D.C. is still working on its, quote, big comeback after the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mike Rupert, the city's associate CTO, says the district's one-stop business portal is part of that comeback and is designed to help businesses do everything they need to do to interact with government. He tells me how he's increasing adoption and what to look out for from D.C.
2: The big thing is is recovering from the pandemic still. Uh, The mayor is really hyper-focused on making a big comeback, whether that's through getting people back into the office, focusing on our downtown. One of the big projects we kicked off last year and launched um, was the One Stop Business Portal. We wanted to make it easier, not only for new businesses to start, but also for businesses to manage their licenses, taxes, and so forth. So we now have a single portal. It's been growing at like 15% a month since we launched in February. And we're really, really excited about it.
0: So when you think about a, a One Stop Business Portal type project, right, this is something that other states are doing, other cities are doing, trying to find the right thing that makes it tick what what's making it work in dc what's sort of getting you up that adoption
2: i think the the partners i think there's seven agencies involved at any given time during a getting just your business license and they have spent a significant amount of time with us as smes um, which we couldn't do that alone so i think building those partnerships those partnerships strengthened during the pandemic as we work to digitize Um, and they're in meetings with us 12 14 hours a week which is time away from their actual jobs. But they're serious about it, we're serious about it, and the commitment and, and partnership has been great. And again, everyone's really focused on what Mayor calls the great comeback.
0: And now you talk about digitization, obviously the one-stop portal's not the only thing that OCTO's doing when it comes to digitization. So what are some of those other projects that you have going on right now?
2: I think the other big piece, last year we created the State Broadband and Digital Equity Office, uh, which is, I think it's 18 months old at this point. Um, Really getting people connected, um, we launched the uh, uh, Community Internet Program, uh, CIP. Uh, one of our first partners created a mesh network that's giving people 200 up, minimum of 200 up, 200 down speeds. Uh, they were able to spin up a 10,000 person network uh, within like six months. Um, We're looking to the other ISPs to be as creative, um, to try to get people not only connected, but also working really hard to give them the incentive to go online, whether that's telehealth, uh, we had a 74-year-old man the other day said, you guys just saved me 10 hours of me waiting to get a taxi to go deposit my checks. I can now do it with my phone. And just seeing people's faces light up, uh, with the, just those and he just attended a training class and changed his life in an hour. So those are the really rewarding things, I think, about state and local government, is you can have an idea on Monday, build it on Wednesday, launch it on Friday, and start changing people's lives right away.
0: It's also, I think, part of the the DC story, right? You you have the unique, you know, state functions while in a city environment. You have a little bit more accessibility to people. You have transit to people. Um, you know, how does that that sort of style influence the way that you're making decisions around things like digital services and connectivity and all the stuff that we talk about at a conference like this?
2: Well, you have to think of just user centric stories. Creating those stories, will this work for someone who is hearing impaired? Will this? We have a very large. Uh, um, blind population in D.C. as well, plus a very large senior section. So we can't just roll out the flashiest, shiniest things. We need to go through and do the due diligence with user testing, accessibility testing. Uh, it's something that's been a big focus uh, of mine in my prior job uh, and currently a CTO, one of the top priorities.
0: And then sort of looking forward, right, uh, six months between these conferences, what can folks expect from D.C.? What can they expect from Octo over the next six months or so?
2: The next six months, um, like many folks, uh, are really focused on generative AI. We have some really great use cases. Uh, We have some pilots out live now. I'm not going to drop them here uh, because they're still testing and training. Um, But I think it has uh, has the ability to really change the way people work um and access our services if you can go on a chat bot and ask something whether it's in spanish russian i'm Herrick, uh, and get an answer back in your language and that's correct uh, which is the most important part that we're testing that's pretty life-changing not to have to navigate through different websites just get your answers very quick and that's one of the simplest use cases um, if, imagine if you're a childcare. uh uh, uh professional handling cases for people, for foster children. If you're new, you could get a two-page summary of your 10 cases that you were just assigned with the highlights of the most important things in seconds. Like instead of having to peruse through a thousand documents, you can get a good idea of who you're dealing with right away. So it's those kind of use cases that we're really focused on first, is how can we better the lives of residents by working faster and smarter.
0: Mike Rupert, Associate CTO for the District of Columbia. You can read more about him and his work at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. Minnesota is coming off of a, quote, historic budget session, according to the state CIO Tarek Tomes. Tomes says more than $600 million in program investments have a technology component to them, all on top of a $100 million investment directly into technology. Tomes tells me how he's approaching those projects.
3: Really, there are a lot of things going on in Minnesota. We really had a historic uh, budget session uh, coming off of the last gubernatorial election and and his first uh, budget of the second term and and really an unbelievably ambitious agenda that I think is going to impact Minnesotans in a positive way in many, many different regards, Uh, rolling out paid family medical leave, uh, standing up a office of cannabis management, uh, huge modernization at the Department of Corrections. We're uh, creating a new agency, a brand new agency, Department of Children, Youth, and Families. Uh, all told, $600 million investment in programs that have uh, a technology component to that. And uh, in addition to that, a $100 million investment directly, or a little bit more than $100 million invested in technology, uh, our ability to really improve our cyber defenses, our ability to really continue to, uh, this journey towards leveraging cloud uh, capabilities as, as uh, appropriate, and then a huge infusion to really modernize our application portfolio.
0: What is it like for you as the IT leader in the room as part of those discussions, as part of the the person that drives a lot of that into possibility?
3: You know, I think for us, everything is really about centering people and, and making sure that we are aligned with the goals of the administration in Minnesota. The governor's vision for Minnesota is referred to as the One Minnesota Plan. And uh, one of the components of this One Minnesota Plan is an intense focus on the customer experience as a part of the governor's agenda Uh, and he has asked us as as a technology organization to lead that customer experience and and certainly we're not leading it from a technology perspective we're leading it from thinking about how people interact with government services and and how those experiences can be improved and and how ultimately people can receive the things that they're looking for in a more agile manner that fits uh, their schedules, their uh, needs, their desire to interact with government on their terms.
0: And so when you talk about the the citizen engagement piece, obviously some modernization is and has been and will continue to be necessary to do that. Where are you at with your IT modernization goals for the state?
3: You know, I, th- I think it's uh, really bifurcated probably into a couple of three parts. Uh, There's a reduction in risk, you know, certainly looking at old technology and, and what that represents from a risk perspective. There is an opportunity to modernize business processes and then there's certainly an opportunity to create new or improve on digital services for citizens. And and finding that sweet spot is incredibly important. Huge modernization activities happening in state government, but also the legislature appropriated $40 million uh, to modernize technology that we are really approaching from an ideation perspective. We're asking not just our employees uh, across the executive branch of state government, all 35,000 employees, but we're also asking Minnesotans where they interact with government in ways that they think can be improved and then targeting those modernization opportunities. I think it's really important to not look at this from the inside out, to really make sure that we're looking at how we modernize from an impact perspective as really the, the first and foremost goal.
0: And so one of the pieces of your job as a CIO is sort of being that communicator both, again, inside out, uh, internally, inside of government, but also telling your story a little bit in a way that Minnesotans can understand and and, and sort of get engaged. What's going through your head as you're thinking about things like that and and how are you working to sort of craft that narrative uh, for your community?
3: Well, I think we're certainly at an inflection point as it relates to the capabilities of technology and and the capabilities of technology within government. Uh, You know, the the, uh, topic of the day for all organizations, generative AI and large language models and what that may mean for government. But also we have seen for the last four to five years the role that effective digital services play not just in delivering services, but really in creating an equitable way for people to engage with government, uh, bringing multi Lingual services to people. And so one of the things that we really aspire to do is to to be that uh, facilitator, to really inspire confidence, to, to really allow organizations to build momentum, to, to really feel comfortable Innovating and working in different ways, and the role that technology can play. There was a time when, you know, certainly uh, many or business recoiled a little bit from from change, uh, where you know projects were measured in, in longer durations. And I think over the last four years, we've really seen how effective technology can really, really make a difference. And and just continuing to build on that momentum is really important.
0: And so when we look out, you know, for the remainder of the year and into the early part of next year. Uh, What can the IT community expect from Minnesota? What can Minnesotans expect um, Minute IT services to get done?
3: Well, certainly uh, I think people can expect for us to continue to connect with people, to to really continue to keep people, businesses, people that visit Minnesota at the center of what we do, that our engagement with stakeholders, uh, our engagement with counties, with cities, with townships, with tribal nations, with the people that receive services in that continuum, that that'll continue to be at the center of what we're doing. Certainly, our whole-of-state cybersecurity plan is crucial for us, and I think uh, represents such an important initial entry to really bring organizations in Minnesota up to a certain level of cybersecurity, to really bring resources and capabilities that they would ordinarily maybe not have access to. You know, like it is in many walks of life, momentum is a really important thing. And, and, and as, you know, happens with sports organizations, when you have positive momentum, employees really get engaged and they really feel empowered to make a difference and to create change. And I think that is one of the things that we're really seeing across the executive branch of Minnesota right now.
0: Derek Tome, CIO for the state of Minnesota. You can read more about him and Minnesota at statescoop.com and at links in today's show notes. You can subscribe to the Priorities Podcast at PrioritiesPodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, be sure to leave a review or rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher helped put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.